We are in a series right now called Let's Get Started. We're looking at, for the month of May of having a new beginning. How many of you say you need a new beginning? I do. I want a fresh start. I want to get going. I have a new level of glory to get to. Amen? I'm tired with the last one. And I've been really confused with this time. <laughs> I want to move into a new prophetic time in the Lord. So we're going to get started. And if you'll remember, our text comes uh, from 1 Corinthians 1.30. We want to get started, and this week we want to do it right. We're going to look at righteousness. Our text is this, 1 Corinthians 1.30. And because of Him, that's Jesus, or God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, he became, Christ became to us wisdom from God, righteousness from God, sanctification from God, and redemption from God. Wow, that's a lot of theology, isn't it? Those are, those are religious words. Those are Christian words. And half the people don't even understand what those words mean, but we use them all the time. The righteousness, the sanctification, and redemption. And so what happens is we forget, we, we learn the theology and we keep it up here. But what God wants is that theology and that actuality of what happened to happen here, to come into your being and make your hands and feet move in response to those things. Does that make sense to you? So last week we looked at wisdom. Today we're looking at righteousness, a new start, a fresh start, and sanctification and redemption. But simply what those theological terms mean is right thinking, right living, a clean slate, and a fresh start. That's what that means. Can you appreciate those words now? Right? It takes it out of the realm of a textbook and puts it into the realm of our lives. I need wisdom so I can think rightly, wrap my mind around what God wants me to know and understand and how to act. I need righteousness so I can live right in a wrong world. Amen? And I need sanctification, a cleansing, and a clean slate. I don't want to be dogged with my past anymore. I have a new identity, and I want to walk in holiness. And last of all, I need a fresh start. That's redemption. He took me out of Adam, put me in Jesus, and I've got a new beginning. All things are made new. So that's where we're going. We're in a fresh start today, and I want to talk to you about righteousness, being right 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about the dynamic of this righteousness. He says this, God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is an amazing verse. So Jesus came to earth as a man put on human flesh so that he could gain blood, human blood that could be offered as the final sacrifice, pure and spotless, outside of the curse of Adam. That's why he was birthed by the seed of God in a virgin woman. The blood never mingled with this uh, tainted blood of Adam. His blood was perfect from God. He became a man so that he could offer this body that was written of him in the book, uh, sacrifice he was not pleased, but a body you've prepared for me. He went to the cross so that this pure blood of Jesus would be spent. It says that he who knew no sin, he was perfect and sinless, became sin. What does that mean? Did Jesus become sinful? He had no sin. 
No, he didn't become sinful. What it means by he became, he who knew no sin, uh, it says he became, had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, he became the object of God's wrath against sin. He took all of the world's sin upon himself. He himself as the sacrifice didn't become sinful, but he took all sin upon himself so that God's righteous judgment could be judged against all sin. He became that sin for us. You know why he did it? Because he was spotless, he'd be raised in three days and complete this work. And so that you and I, by trusting in him, we become in Christ the righteousness of God. What an exchange. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus in right standing with the Father? Was Jesus always obedient? Did Jesus have a perfect relationship with the Father? But we had a broken one. He exchanged that at the cross. He took on the broken relationship and he gave us the right relationship with the Father. That's righteousness. That's righteousness. So there's two aspects to righteousness. There's the position of righteousness and the nature of righteousness. So as soon as you put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus was imputed to you. It was credited to you. It was given to you. You have become the righteousness of God. Now, let's try this. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of God. How's that feel? Does that feel good? Some of you are like, I don't think it fits. I don't really think I can accept that because I know me. Right? How many of you, you know, it's like, uh, that sounds a little boastful. No, it's correct doctrinally. It's correct biblically. In Christ, I have become the righteousness of God, a right relationship with the Father. I'm not separated from Him anymore. I am the righteousness of God. Now that should have an impact in an unrighteous world. I don't know how many people are here today, but all this righteousness of God in this room should have an impact out there. So we are positionally right with God, but now we've got to walk out that position. Do you agree with me? We've got to walk in that righteousness. In heaven, you and I are positioned in righteousness. But here on earth, i got to walk out my position of righteousness. I've got to live rightly. If you don't know your position, you're not going to walk in that nature. If you don't know your identity as the righteousness of God, you're not going to live in righteousness. What we've done as the Christian church is we have made righteousness a theological term for your position in heaven. But down here on earth, you're a sinner. You keep sinning. Your best effort is to come to the altar and repent and go try harder. That's what we've left it to be. And most of us have this guilt complex that I can't be the righteousness of God. I just try and I fail and I try and I fail. Because you're trying to live out of the power of your own self. But if we would live in righteousness of the power of Christ, he put that righteousness in us. The ability to know the yes and no's of God. Amen? We're no longer blinded. We can walk in right 
righteousness. Paul talks about the armor of God and he talks about the breastplate of what? Righteousness. In Ephesians, we always list the armor of God in the sense of a a Roman soldier's armor. And we look at it that way. And, And I've had an awakening personally. I believe when Paul identified the breastplate of righteousness, I think he was referring to the high priest's ephod. I really do. That was a breastplate of righteousness. So we're going to take a look at the high priest as a figure and a shadow of what Christ had for us as far as walking in righteousness. The high priest, Aaron, had an ephod. That was an outer garment, somewhat of a a breastplate that he was to wear. Attached to this breastplate were two onyx stones on his shoulder blades that had six of the tribes listed on this one, six tribes listed on this one. He carried the weight of the nation because he would mediate between God and Israel. So he carried the nations, the tribes, on his shoulders. And attached to those shoulder plates was a gold chain. There was then the 12 tribes in 12 different stones on that front ephod. And as he would approach the Holy uh, of Holies and the the, uh, Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory of God, when he would bring in that sacrifice, would glow off of those stones as he would bring the 12 tribes to the presence of God and God would shine upon them and they would reflect his glory. It was a breastplate of righteousness. But there was something very unique added to that breastplate of righteousness. There were, well, what most people think were two stones, the Urim and Tummim. Or in Hebrew, Urim and Tumim. These are a mystery to Hebrew scholars, to Christian scholars. They don't know exactly how they worked. Some believe that maybe one was black, one was white. Some believe that the Urim was a separate crystal and the Tumim were two stones. Anyways, whatever they were... They were to direct the high priest who would direct Israel into the direction they were to go. He would get a yes or a no from these stones. They were put in a bag and they were put in a pocket behind the breastplate of righteousness. If we're going to walk in a breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness upon us, if we're going to walk in that, what we have to have is the knowledge of God's will. And that's what the Urim and Thummim did. It gave them an understanding of the will of God. Listen to this in Numbers 27, 21. It says that Joshua is to stand before Eliezer the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. So Joshua needed to know, should we fight this battle? He would go before the high priest Eliezer and through the Urim and the Thummim, they would get the directives of God. David used this on different accounts, many times seeking to find out. Look at 1 Samuel 14, 41. Therefore, Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? 
if this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people Israel, give Thummim. So what we see here is that there's a difference between the Urim and the Thummim. Right? There's something counter. If it's us, give us a yes. If it's them, give them a no. So, so there's, we don't know which one did what or how. But all I'm trying to show you is that with the Urim and Thummim, there is a yes and a no. How many of you know that most of the decisions of our life have to do with yes and no? Christianity can be boiled down into our living of righteousness based on your yes or no. How many of you have said yes to something you've regretted? How many of you have said no to something you've regretted? How many of you are proud that you said no to something? Right? Yes and no is extremely powerful. If I could know every yes that God wants me to know as yes, whoo, I'd like that. Give me a Urim and a Thummim. Some think they maybe rolled them as dice. I don't know. Nobody knows. But see, here's the meaning of the word Urim. It means flame or light of fire from God. That's why some believed it was a crystal. That when they were, the high priest would stick his hand in the pocket to pick out the, the black or the white stone of the Thummim, he would pull one out and the Urim would glow if it was the correct answer. That's what some think. Some think that with the Urim and Thummim in the back vested pocket, when the high priest went into the Ark of the Covenant, that there were words of the tribes written on the 12 stones and that God would reflect his glory and highlight certain letters like a projector on the wall and spell out his will. God could do that. Sounds pretty amazing. And then some, like I said, go as far as just simply uh, black. Is this the answer, God? (laughs) White. It could be as simple as that. I don't know if you need visions, earthquake, thunder, things to shake to say a yes or a no by God. I I need a confirmation, God, let me know. And angels go, oh. I've never had that. I'd like it. I would like lights flashing. It's never happened for me. Have you talked to Christians like, you know, last night I had a vision, heaven opened up and there were chariots that came down and God said, yes. That's awesome. Sometimes we need that. Other times, like Elijah, I think Elijah was waiting for that. Give me some Urim and Thummim, man. And all he got was a, Elijah, go back, get going. That still, small voice of God. However we need it, however we get it, it's understanding the will of God. The word thummim means completeness, moral completeness, innocence, integrity, perfection is basically what it means. These are both plural words, perfections, the perfections of God. Bottom line, it is the truth of God. You can cipher thummim to also 
uh, in Hebrew mean truth. So what we're talking about is light and truth. How many of you know that's righteousness? To walk in the light and the truth of God. That's how we walk in rightness. So are you walking in rightness with God's will? Are we walking out what is light and what is true? That's what God is looking for. Now what's interesting is where were the Urim and Thummim placed? In the heart. He took the yes and no of God and put it in a pocket behind the breastplate of righteousness. You've been given this very breastplate of righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. It's His breastplate. How many of you know He's the high priest right now mediating in heaven before the throne of God? You've got that righteousness. It's your breastplate. But you've got to live it out. So do you have the yes and the no's of God tucked into your righteousness next to your heart. We've got to be a people who live the righteousness of God. Don't just believe and understand it, but know it. It was tucked in the priest's heart. And I think of David, and I'm wondering if that's what he meant in Psalm 119 when he says, Oh God, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against thee. And when you think of light and truth in the heart of man, then I have to ask the question, who is our Urim and Thummim? The obvious answer is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Because of the blood of Jesus that washes us clean, now the Spirit of holiness can dwell in His people. He gave us His righteousness, but He put His Urim and Thummim in us, in our heart. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who bears witness to us as to what the will of God is. We have to slow down, brothers and sisters, and we have to ask God, should I or shouldn't I? We have to wait for the light and the truth to be illuminated in our heart, in all of our decisions. Should I say this to that person or shouldn't I? Should I react? I feel a volcano ready to erupt. Is that you, Holy Spirit, or is it me? Check it by the light and the truth of God's Spirit within you. I don't, you don't need stones and rocks and crystals and lights. You've got the very person of God Himself dwelling in us. We need to fine-tune and learn to hear the yeses and the noes of God. Consider this, Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. What do you think he meant by that? Think hard. What do you think he meant by you're the light of the world? That 
Basically, we illuminate this dark world. You do. You do. You do. You're the light of the world. You are an extension of Jesus Christ's light. You are the light of the world, right? He says that the church is the pillar of truth in the earth. Let's figure that one out. What does that mean? What does it mean to be the pillar of truth in the world? Really aren't hard questions. I'm putting them out there because sometimes we just make them so abstract or we make them just verses we read. Do you understand it means that we hold the truth on this planet? We hold the truth on this planet. We are a pillar of truth. Gates of hell will not destroy it, will not destroy his church. Death can't kill us. We are the pillar of truth. If there's truth to be known, go ask a Christian. That's seriously what Jesus means. If you're in darkness, find a Christian. Are we that right with those illustrations? Are we righteous? Are we right? Are we the Urim and the Thummim? Are we the truth on this planet? Are we the light? Are we the yes or no to what is right and wrong? We can't compromise any more. Well, is this a sin? According to the Word of God, yes, it is. But let me shape it a little more so it's more appealing to you. Let me dull it down. Turn the light, it's a little bright, isn't it? Oh. There, how does that feel? And that's what we've done as the church. We cannot do this any longer. And brothers and sisters, what that means is, as Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. But can we ever stop shining the light of Christ? It is a matter. Rightness with God is making sure that my position is right with Him. So I'm going to have to make some stands. And as Christians, please, be careful between what your conviction is and what the Word of God is. Be careful between what your opinion is and what the Word of God is. If you hold the position of truth-teller and light-bearer, then don't mingle it with your emotional opinions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I hear a lot of Christians out there, and I groan and I cringe, and it's not really the Word of God, it's their opinion or it's their tradition. So if we're going to be light and truth, we better have clarity. That is rightness with God. Let me ask you, can you stand where you are today and say, I am right and true, plumb, with the will of God for my life? That's the Urim and Thummim. That's the, that's the placement. That's rightness. And I would dare say that most of you are. You're following that word of God. You're seeking that truth. You need to maybe uh, uh, get repositioned or, or clean something up, but you are that righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. Look at what this verse says. It says, for at one time you were darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. You catch the difference? Once you were darkness... We were sinners. We were enemies of God. We were darkness. But he didn't just put you in the light. What did he say? You are light. 
You were darkness. Now you are light. Now you are truth. You are the rightness of God. Woo! Wow, look at your neighbor and say, you are right with God. Isn't that neat? Isn't it great to be in a room with this many people right with God? You leave here and it seems like a crazy, mixed up, upside down world. Your bearings are all off. What, they, what the word says is right, they say is wrong. That's why we must gather. Because every now and then my light gets fractured. My truth, I'm wondering... And I come together with the righteousness of God, the people of God, and we hear the word of God and we go, no, 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 no. We're right, standing in rightness. The right, the light, the rightness of God. If we're going to get started, if we're going to start into this new realm of His glory for our lives, let's do it rightly. Line up with the truth and the light of God, the Urim and Thummim, the Spirit of God in your heart to direct your yeses and nos. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, I thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for what you're doing in your people, Lord God. I pray today that you will amplify the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That that anointing of your Spirit will begin to minister and grow. I pray that you would put an unction in everybody's yes and an unction in everybody's no. Father, I pray for that. There is also a time where we wait, and we would wait on God. But I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that our yeses and our noes would align with the holiness of God, the rightness that we have, with the breastplate of Christ. May every decision we have look into the breastplate of Jesus Christ. May it glow with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I ask for this now in Jesus' name. Amen.